0: Hallelujah. Thank you, musicians, platform workers, ushers. We appreciate your ministry here this evening. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 16, um, verse 19. Luke 16, verse 19, uh, this evening. Um, Amen. Hallelujah. I'm excited to see all the toys that are going to come in. See what kind of toys are. See who brings the first bike. If you bring a bike, don't try to fit it in there. You're going to break the box, okay? Um see if anybody brings a PS5. I don't know, just it's, it's based on your on your generosity. We'll probably have to raffle that one. Yeah, don't kids. Yeah. Uh, sinners is where we're gonna go. So <laughs> praise God. No TVs. Don't bring TVs. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 is where we're gonna be at. We have a Facebook page as a church, and we posted a video of our haunted house um, on there. And we got about 16 likes, (laughs) Um, but we also got a comment on that Facebook page, and it started off by saying, um, you should be ashamed of yourself. He says, celebrating Halloween that way. Every Halloween, we always get pushback or some type of resistance for. The way we tend to kind of think about that, people think a date on the calendar has significance. But if you know us and our DNA, we use the world's holidays as a means to highlight the reality of life. And in this specific one, we take advantage to highlight the reality of the demonic Sin and hell itself. Nobody's glorifying it. Everyone wants to close their eyes to it. I think at the end, what we all went to the abortion scene and we saw we saw all the girls acting all crazy and all the nursery workers pulling their own hair and blood everywhere. I think everybody wanted to close their eyes in a sense. But I want to bring to your but the point is that we want to bring it to your attention. We want to make it real to you. In our text, this is exactly what Jesus did illustrating what hell is in a perspective that not many people get an advantage of. Typically, for most of us, once you get a perspective of either heaven or hell, you're not there to tell anybody about it. But here we get a heavenly insight Luke chapter 16, verse 19. It says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fares uh, sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus um, in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that, my, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from here there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, father, that you will send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them. Lest they also come to the place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Honor Preacher servant that I've cleverly titled Hell here tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment that you've given us. God, I pray that you will speak to every single one of us. Minister to us, God, here tonight, Lord, I pray that you will bring conviction. God, the fear of you, Lord, I pray, is what should be instilled in us. God, I pray that we will leave this place understanding that not only are you a loving and, and good Father, but you're a righteous God, you're righteous judge, and we trust you, Father, in your judgment. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight. I hide behind your cross, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. The people of God said tonight... Amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is the reality of life and death. You know, the truth of the matter is, as a church, we engage in world evangelism simply for the simple thought that we need to gain the whole world. And this phrase about gaining the whole world is literally the salvation from a lifetime, or not even a lifetime, I'm sorry, an eternity separated from God in hell, in flames, our Bible, our text speaks about a man clothed in purple that lived sumptuously, which means a very luxurious, comfortable, and happy life. It doesn't say he gained his wealth through dishonesty. It doesn't say he was a drug dealer or a money launderer or some type of uh, con man, some type of um, ill businessman. His life was good. And that's all it says. Maybe even great to some people's perspective. Nowhere does Jesus accuse the man of any sin or wrongdoing. We might even call him a good man. He gained the world, no doubt. He will be considered successful in every measure. Mark 8.36, for what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? But the reality of life is that it comes to an end. Verse 25 in our main text, but Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. This word lifetime, if you break it down in two words, life and time, for every one of us there will come a time where life will end. When we will pass from this life. And we will step into eternity. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, after this, the judgments. This man had wealth, he had success, he had power. Yet nothing or none of those could exempt him from death. The musician once said, Death is, when death is handed to you, you can't hand it back. You know, the truth is, nobody thinks they're going to die. That probably wasn't in your forefront of your mind today. For those football fans, you probably felt like that when the Texans missed that field goal. But in reality, nobody thinks they will die. One was rich, the other poor. But they both died. We all believe that everyone else will die but nobody ever thinks they will. And this goes obviously the older you get, the more you start thinking about it, but the younger, the more reckless you are because you don't think life is fragile. This is actually one of the first deceptions of Satan, Genesis 3, 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of, your, uh, of it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Think about it. She takes death and he takes it away. So you probably won't die. You will not surely die. And I think the mistake we make many times as human beings, as men and women in church, is we don't consider eternity. Can I just remind you, eternity is longer than your lifetime? And that if we live a life just through the lens of a lifetime, then we're in danger of missing eternity. This man in our text didn't consider his soul until it was too late. We see him having all these spiritual revelations, discovering the importance of his decisions on earth, but now it's too late. It's foolish. And there I say stupid, not to consider eternity. Jesus gives another story of a successful man who built an empire. Luke chapter 12, verse 19, it says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid out for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? He built barns and storage. He succeeded so much that he had to tear down those barns and build bigger ones. And Jesus is saying, look, this is a simple matter of life. One day you're going to die, and everything that you cherish will belong to somebody else. That house you went to go get a loan for, that you worked so hard on your credit, will belong to somebody else. That car that you love so much, if it doesn't belong to somebody else, we'll hit the junkyard and we'll get crushed. How many of you guys have been to a junkyard and seen a car get... Yeah, that's what will happen to your car. We need to consider eternity. What we have right now is just a lifetime. And This is the thought about hell. That hell isn't just... A lifetime of pain, but it's eternity. i will move on to my second thought, and that is eternity in hell. Nobody likes to talk about death or hell. As a matter of fact, I think I was talking to um, I was talking to Pastor Alvarez. I was telling him in my ten years, me and him, we've never really preached a sermon on hell. We've talked about it. We've mentioned it. No doubt, we've expounded uh, expanded on it but never one like this, but it's a reality. Hell was made for the devil. Matthew 25, verse 41, Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. A place of torment and flame, Matthew eight twelve. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a real place that was prepared by God, for the, the Bible says, for the devil and his angels. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Consider for a moment some of the evils in this life. Because if you think about it, hell... If it's going to be tormenting, it's going to have to torment the evil in this life. Here we are in 2023, and we got to experience or at least read about or be alive during this um, conflict in Israel, in in Hamas, really. Hamas, if you've done any of your research, they're evil terrorists. Burning people alive. Raping women, cutting off heads, pregnant women's babies ripped out of the room, babies being decapitated, women being decapitated. They showed videos to reporters, and some needed to go to the hospital for stress. And while that was going on, there were men who were laughing and celebrating and I want to tell you, the devil and his demons were also laughing and celebrating. And there's so many different things that we can talk about, stories that you've read, no doubt. Those of you guys that have done your research. There's all kinds of incredible, you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's, I've read some of these things that I, I just can't believe there's souls that are able to do that. Now imagine a place so bad that it's meant to punish creatures like that. A place so bad, so tormenting, so tormenting that animals like that say, I want to leave. Here was a man who lived in comfort and success in his lifetime. But in eternity, he cried out for mercy. The Bible says he begged for a drop of water on his tongue. What would a drop of water even do? He's begging out for mercy. Send Lazarus, he screams. This man who once was ignored, now the rich man is begging for his attention. Please relieve this pain. You know what's another interesting thing from our text? Is that hell is a place where you are conscious. This man is told, son, Remember, say it with me. Remember, he calls to his memory. There's not this place where you won't remember things anymore. Or everything will be forgotten, and somewhere you listen. He says, "Son, remember that in your lifetime." What a tormenting reality. The memories of this lifetime. I wonder what went through this man's mind when his lifetime was recalled to him when he said, hey, remember, you remember that one time when I sent so-and-so to go and talk to you? Remember that one time you encountered Lazarus? Do you remember that one time you actually stepped into service, but you had such a funky attitude, you didn't receive the word of God? Remember when I said brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so? Do you remember that near-death experience? Do you remember that miracle where you thought you were going to die, but I touched you? Son, remember that in your lifetime. You know, the truth is there are people in hell right now remembering the opportunities they had to live for God. The moments they had to be able to do something for God. And they're crying out just as this man is. Backsliders, people who heard the gospel. Thinking about their past decisions. He's, listen, he's crying out for mercy. He's crying out for mercy. Notice that the man never asked for escape. And I believe he never does because he knows that it's impossible. He knows that it's permanent and nothing can be done to change it. Verse 26, and besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that, that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. He understands, I'm at this tormenting place. There's no escape, just a drop of water. says so nobody can pass from here to there. I want you to consider the idea of forever. Some people, listen, some people are afraid of being in heaven forever. Some of you are asking, am I able to take my phone? Some people, I've even talked to people who think that's boring. Are we going to be bored up there? Like some type of tormenting thing. But consider being alone in torment, and pain, in darkness, with your regrets, forever. Nothing to relieve it. Just always being recalled. The story seems so tragic. We feel sorrow, pity for this man. And yet there's a powerful lesson we can learn about hell a lesson that can save us from it. Hell is not a place we want to go. I know some of you guys grew up listening to Biggie. And you think, hell is that place where you wear a hoodie and you, and you get to relax there. It, hell is not a place you want to go. Nor do we want anyone else to go there, which is the reason why we engage in all the evangelism that we do. I want to close on my third point, and that is learning our lesson. We learn from our mistakes, or at least we should. We learn a small lesson of what not to do when we cut our finger. When you burn your hand, whenever you cross a line and, or you say something and, you, and something happens, a rebuttal or some type of consequence, so you learn from that. Other times we learn grand lessons when we have near-death experiences. There's people here, I don't doubt it, in a group this size, Um, and if I can recall some memories, you almost overdosed. That's a near death experience, a car crash. Right? Some of us, our marriages almost fell apart. People will come close to death, close to eternity physically. Then those things that are important become more real and valuable. We tend to learn our lessons that way. So let's speak about the answer for eternity. This man teaches us a lesson that will keep us out of hell. Verse 27, then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father. Isn't that prayer language? I beg you, therefore, Father. Prayer is powerful, but for this man, prayer was too late. There'll be people in hell that realize the power of prayer and regret not doing it on earth. I don't doubt it. This man probably wants to start a prayer meeting now. Probably wants to get on his knees and cry out to God. We can learn from this. We must take advantage of the power of prayer while it is effective. In the same verse, we see how important evangelism becomes to this man. The message of salvation becomes so real, so valuable. It's everything to him. Verse 27, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Now everything is too late. Now he's at a place where nothing can change, and in his mind he's thinking of outreach. Do it now. You're going to be thinking about it in hell. He's begging that Lazarus will go, this man who did things right, be sent to evangelize to his family. He says, please send him. No doubt you read the story with me. It goes on to say, uh, Father of God goes on to say, um, they have Moses and the prophets. like, no, but if there's somebody that's resurrected, somebody that comes from the dead, that he can go. And what a parallel to the story. He's like, well, listen, they're not going to listen to Jesus who resurrected from the dead. What makes you think he's going to listen to Lazarus? The rich man now realized that the man who was once ignored has the key to save his loved ones from hell. Don't ignore this message. If there's anything that you hear tonight I want you to hear this. Don't ignore this message. You don't want to find yourself like Lazarus. You don't want to find yourself like, the, um, like, like this man, not Lazarus, like this, uh, like this rich man. You want to find yourself like the person who's spending eternity with God. You have an opportunity tonight to do right, to live for God, to pray, to prioritize. Listen. There's people in hell right now who wish they were in service Sunday nights. Who wish they wouldn't have skipped. Who wish that they would have been in the house of God listening to the words of God. There's people thinking about their pastor. There's people thinking about their brothers, their sisters. They're thinking about leaders. They're thinking about conference. They're thinking about revivals. They're thinking about all these different things. And you have a heartbeat today. Don't ignore this message. Lastly, the key to escaping this place of torture is repentance. Verse 30, and he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. This man in hell was capable of understanding the importance of repentance. Repentance. She said, if they, if somebody goes, they will repent and they won't have to spend eternity where I'm at. But what about us? This man was capable to understand how important repentance is. But what about us? Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. the kingdom of god is at hand ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace listen i don't doubt it by the spirit of god i feel there's people here you haven't repented in years you haven't you haven't talked to god yes you feel bad you might feel some type of remorse maybe even a little bit of of feeling bad, a little bit of guilt, and that might be a start, but listen, you have not repented of your sins. Do you know the line that you're walking? The interesting fact, Jesus says that there will still be people unwilling to repent. What an interesting thing. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. He exposes human nature. There's people, listen, you have gotten sermon after sermon after sermon, advice after advice after advice, and you're still unwilling to repent. Don't let that be you. Even unwilling to listen to someone who, who was raised from the dead. I don't know about you, when I read this story, I can put myself in that man's shoes. I begin to think, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. What was the biggest thing? And I know this might sound cliche, you might have heard it before. I know there's the fire, the pain, the torment, the regrets that we're talking about. But you know what the biggest the biggest problem with hell is that you will spend eternity separated from God. The man who sent his only son to die for you, the person who has you here today with breath, who loved you so much, he went to the cross of Calvary for you. And you might think this is a joke. You might, you might brush this off just like any other service. But this story is in the Bible to remind us that this rich man, does exactly what he did. He brushed it off. I want you to think about this. Here it is, Lazarus. The Bible describes him. Verse 19, right, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, fine linen, fared sumptuously every day, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate. So here it is, this rich man. No doubt he's walked by Lazarus day after day, week after week, month after month, neglecting him, not caring about him at all later on in life, begging him. Begging him. Just a drop. Okay, fine, you can't do that. Please, just go to my brothers. The story... So as a reminder to us that hell is not a place where God wants us to spend. Again, the Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels. I mean, if you guys know, you were fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose and a destiny to spend eternity with God. But you got to make a choice today. you got to make a choice. I'm going to live a life Now, close to God. See, that's the key, is that you don't have to wait to get to heaven to have a relationship with God. Repentance opens this door. Repentance fixes everything. It opens this door to where you can have this close communion with God, and you can have heaven on earth. This relationship with God, no doubt, living in eternity with God there's probably nothing in comparison to what we have on this earth, but to spend time in his presence here is just this glimpse of being able to spend eternity with him. Again, verse 31, but he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, but one rise from the dead. Don't let that be you. I was sent a video by a friend, which I told him, "Don't send me this stuff ever again." But he sent me a video of a person <clears throat> on a motorcycle um, in a, in a third world nation that was hit by a car, and the video showed the person dead on the streets, just from just everywhere. And, and immediately, my mind my mind went to that's some that's somebody's dad, that's that's somebody's son, that's somebody's brother, and then it went to. That body that we see now, his soul is in eternity. And who knows where he was with God. I had to preach, one of the first things I did taking over the church here in Houston is I had to go preach at a funeral. And I preached a sermon called Nobody Knows the Reach of Grace. And the idea that grace reaches further than what we know. I mean, we we see what we see here, but grace reaches so much further I don't know if that person in the video, I don't know if he's spending eternity in heaven. I don't. I have no clue. But the problem is that it's such a fragile, thin line. You know, the reality is, is that some of us count it, God forbid, a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, some of us won't be here. Some of us won't be here. Spring Branch will be here. The stuff you own will be here. But we'll move on. And I don't want to make the mistake of trying to build my whole life out of at a place of temporary, at a temporary place. I want to build my life where I'm going to spend eternity. My whole goal tonight was for you to consider eternity. You might feel some type of Conviction from the Holy Ghost, you might even feel guilt today. The Bible says that there's a godly sorrow that you should feel that would lead you to repentance, and that's okay for you to understand. You know what? I've been such a mess, so careless. There's people you're so careless with your soul, so careless. You're willing to watch anything, listen to anything, do whatever you want. Just give yourself up to all kinds of carnal pleasures. And at the end of the day, listen, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. You're either going to be this rich man or you're going to be Lazarus. And it has to do with giving your life to Jesus Christ. You've heard the saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We all know you you want to spend eternity. We all know you spend eternity with God. We all know you don't like to be burned. But do you love God enough? Do you love God enough to where you said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to base my life on you today? This life that you've given me, I'm going to give it right back to you. Hell is not a place that was created for you. Hell is not a place that was created for us tonight. But it is a place where many people will spend eternity. There's a different reasons. one being pride. And even as God is speaking to people here today, you're going to have to battle your own pride and say, you know what? I don't want to be that rich man. I want to be Lazarus. I want to be a guy that even though he might not have the best life here on earth, I'm going to have the best life in eternity. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed, quickly in respect to God, in respect to your neighbor. very simple sermon on hell. The truth is there's some people they live life like they don't believe in hell. And again, it's walking, it's threading this thin line that brings a level of fear. But when you love God, you find this perfect love. First John four eighteen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I wonder if somebody was to ask you today, personally and privately, where would you go if you died today? Where would you spend eternity if you died today? What would your answer be? Some of us, but with no shadow of a doubt, you know I'm going to spend eternity with God. I'm saved. I know I am. He who is in Christ, there is no condemnation. You very well know you are born again. Redeemed by Jesus. But there's other people. There's other people you have no clue. I don't know. There's other people you know very well. I am separated from God now. And hell is going to be where I'm going to spend eternity if I don't get right. Life is but a vapor, says the Bible. The vapor, you see it there, it's gone. You've heard the saying, tomorrow's promise to no man. That's why Jesus preached with an urgency. Today is the day of salvation, is what he preached. My goal today is this very simple one: that we will come together in all sincerity and honesty here today. Not thinking about what other people are thinking about you or going to say about you, but thinking about what the Father thinks and says about you. Then you're here tonight, and you're saying, "Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to get right. I don't. I want to spend eternity with God. I want to be. I don't want to. I want. I don't want to go to hell." That's you here tonight. Would you raise your hand? Anybody here, you're saying, you know what? I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you lift your hand? Maybe you're backslidden. I see that hand and on his heart. Maybe you're backslidden. I see that hand. You're backslidden. You're not right. with well, God, today you're far from him. You had an experience. You have sin right now that God's dealing with you. And he's saying, I need you to repent right now. I need you to repent right now. Not later, but right now. Maybe some type of secret sin you need to let go of. There's power, beloved. Listen, repentance fixes everything. There's power. When you're able to raise your hand and you tell your flesh, you're not just going to do whatever you want. When God speaks, I will do it in a heartbeat. There's dominion in that. You're here tonight. You're saying, you know what? I want to repent. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very well. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Those of you guys that raised your hand, would you look up at me? Did you mean that? Did you mean that? I believe you did. Why don't you stand up? Stand up. Come here. We need two altar workers today. Praise God. Wonderful decisions being made. This is what it's all about here. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to the church. Church, listen, I know that fear shouldn't be the basis of us serving God, the Bible honestly says that fear is the beginning of all wisdom. But there should be at least a level of reverence and respect and understanding that, you know what, I I, I need to live right. I need to live my life in fellowship with God, seeking to obey Him in every area of life. We're privileged to have this story to give us some insights in the afterlife. I don't know about you, but I want to be, I want to be the man who spends eternity with him. Maybe I won't do everything perfect. Maybe you won't do everything perfect. But I promise you, when you're walking through those pearly gates, you're gonna be, be so joyful that you will spend eternity but the one that truly loves you. I want to encourage you that you will make a decision today. God, I'm going to live a life holy and pure. Holy and pure, exclusive for you. Let's all stand up to our feet in this place. Let's stand up to our feet. Let's open up these altars. I want to encourage you to come and get a hold of God here tonight. We're going to sing out this song, but I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God. Some of us need to come and speak to him. God, cleanse me. Help me, Lord, to be the man that you've called me to be, Lord. I see the consequences of bad decisions, of bad sins. Help me not to be slothful with my life. Help me not to be a procrastinator with everything that you've given me, the responsibilities of prayer and evangelism, repentance. God, help me to not just push that to another day. But do it now. Hallelujah. we will gonna sing out this song.